0: Welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guest in, on today's podcast is my friend, Timber Harwood. Welcome to the podcast, Timber.
1: Thanks, Brother Osler. I'm happy to be here.
0: Will you tell your name for our listeners and just um, how they can remember your name?
1: <laughs> sure. So it's Timber, um, and it's pronounced like the month of september but without the scp at the front so hopefully that's a good way that everyone can remember
0: (laughs) i like that and your last name will you pronounce that for us also
1: yep harvard um like the school harvard uh which i would love to have attended but uh yeah like the school harvard but with a w
0: so um timber is calling in from california i'm in salt lake city So this is an over the phone podcast. I hope the audio quality is good for our listeners. Timber offered a wonderful prayer before we went live. It's weird to pray over the phone. but I'm getting used to that and I felt the good spirit of your prayer. And just background on Timber, Timber is 29, he is married. Um, Timber and his wife have a beautiful one year old daughter who I've seen in your Facebook feed and she is precious. Timber grew up in a part member family in California, I believe never joined the church and ended up converting to the church um, at age 22. Kimber was out of the church for a period of time and, and lived an open gay lifestyle, so to speak, whatever that term means. But I think it means you um, had a male partner or partners during this time. And then found the church and joined the church and is married to a woman and moving forward in his life. And so these stories are unique and insightful, and I like to bring voice to my LGBTQ friends um, to share their story. And your story is helping so many, and I'm so honored you'd have the courage mm-hmm. and guts to do this. Sometimes when I start these stories, Timber, I, I've heard a few of them, and and they're all awesome, but I just realize how courageous it is for every one of you that wants to share your story and I think it's a sign of strength. I think it's a sign of spiritual maturity. It's a feeling that your story can help others and people need to hear from people like you to help them navigate the road. So thank yeah. you from all of our listeners to <laughs> get on the phone today and just share your story. Yeah,
1: of course. I it's it's my pleasure. Honestly one of my favorite examples in the scriptures is um, Alma who you know we all know Alma the younger who was living a pretty wicked lifestyle and changed his ways and spent the rest of his life testifying of truth and he told his story and one of my favorite chapters is in Alma 36 where he tells his conversion story to his son and you know that's she was one of my motivations to, to do what I'm doing today. So. it's
0: cool. So tell us some your teenage years, where were you living and were you aware of your orientation and were you at all connected to the church?
1: Yeah. So I, um, I was raised in a, in a part member family. Uh, My parents had divorced when I was nine, but I was raised primarily by my, dad for a number of years who's very active LPS and uh and so I had a very very good understanding of the church and its doctrine and um so so yeah I was I was I became aware of my attractions you know usually pretty early on in life you know that's that's a very common thing you hear um with a lot of us is becoming aware an early age and that was the case for me as well. Um, and, you know, you get teased in school and called things, called names. And one of the big things in the nineties was, you know, people using the F word, not, not the four letter word, the other word for, <laughs> for gay yeah. people. And uh, I never, I didn't really know what that meant until I associated my feelings with what I heard at school. And I read I became aware um, of what those feelings meant, and uh, once I associated the the feelings with you know the terminology that I was hearing in school, um, I became really um, hateful towards myself. Um, I just felt dirty and I felt ashamed, and no one knew. I didn't tell anyone. I, I buried it super deep and tried to pretend like it wasn't there and um and yeah so it was it was an internal struggle because i heard lots of remarks at church not just my dad's church but my mom's evangelical christian and heard i've heard different things from both in both congregations about homosexuality and gays and lgbt, LGBT you know movement or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, a lot of those remarks were not very, really, uh, kind or understanding. And, um, so I associated my attractions with sin and or dirtiness. And I just, I loathe myself because of it. Um, and yeah, so I just, I buried it, I buried it deep down inside. and and, uh, Tried to pretend like it wasn't better, like a like I mentioned.
0: You're doing a good job of talking already about complicated stuff. Were you? How was your emotional health? Were you having feelings of suicide during these teenage years?
1: Yes, yes, and no. Um, emotional health probably was. It was not. It wasn't good. I'll be honest. Um, I not only did I have same-sex attraction, uh, but I. I also had undiagnosed depression. Uh-huh. Um, and so those two things working together with, uh, made my younger years pretty miserable, <laughs> to, to be fair. What
0: What would you say to your younger self right now? You're 29. What would you say to your 16-, 17-year-old self if you could talk to him right now?
1: The biggest thing for me is just to know I would, I would love to tell myself how much God loves me, um, and that He understood, and He didn't care that that those attractions were not a sin, and that things will get figured out eventually, and. Just to be comfortable, be comfortable with who you are, and just um, that the atonement would would make everything work out. Um, I think that that's probably the biggest message I, I needed at that time that that I didn't have.
0: That's a great answer. Um, thank you for that. because yeah. that's a message to any closeted person who's listening and I think that's a perfect message for them to hear and all of us to hear really talk about just how you went from closeted to then you know in being gay and not only just orientation but having you know being in that world
1: sure so so I kind of described how I had depression along with same-sex attraction so i i think in my mid teenage years later teenage years i started dabbling with like drinking and um yeah. like smoking marijuana just to like just to cope with the feelings i was having um because like i said i was i was pretty miserable that's eventually what led to me feeling comfortable to come out Um, I graduated, and it was shortly after I graduated high school that I started getting into a lot harder drugs. Um, and I got into the rave scene, which is pretty big here in California. Um, but something about the the rave scene is it's very open, opening, it's very open and welcoming and you can be whoever you want to be and so i was just fed up with you know i had graduated high school and i felt like i was like i was an adult that had it all figured out and i was fed up with being just miserable and hiding all these emotions and I, and i just decided i'm going to I'm gonna come out and say who I am, and so I remember um, coming out first to my brother Ashton, who I've always been super close to. We're we're 11 months apart, and we're super um, we're, we're super close. Um, I remember just telling him one day. I don't even remember what the conversation was about, but I told him, and and she. Yeah. He was just, he was very accepting. So,
0: um,
1: and which is great. He wasn't, he wasn't a member of the church either. We, we were doing a lot of things we shouldn't be doing together, but, but I felt comfortable enough to tell him. And, uh, then I told some of my partying buddies and how I really came out was that a rave I was at, I went to a rave and, you know, I went with a, a guy that I was, dating and openly showed that relationship there. And, and so, cause I, that, that was the gateway for me to feel comfortable to come out because I definitely couldn't do it with my family. Um, but at least that's how I felt at the time.
0: Thanks for sharing this. This is kind of tender stuff. And, um, but I think it helps our listeners understand. I'm thinking of, you know, I was in a party city, so to speak, walking the streets. I don't even name the city because I don't want to be negative to the city, but we were out in the evening and my wife and I and son and daughter-in-law were just walking and it was a pretty partying crowd. And I just looked at everybody and I, this feeling of everybody needs to belong. Everybody Uh needs to feel like they're accepted. Everybody needs to feel community of people that love them for who they are. And so when you talk right. about the rave party and you know there is an element of needed connection that is occurring there that we all right. need and so i i right. think of that and i think can, how do we how do we scale the good parts of a rave party and bring it into our mormon culture how's that for a question and <laughs> and so that obviously we can't bring the drugs and the music and <laughs> you know and the alcohol and the you know, some of the other stuff. But there is, right. I is—I—I kind of get where in, a, in not a necessarily a moment of weakness, but just a moment in humanity, you needed to belong somewhere. And that was a group that accepted right. you. And, yeah, exactly. And some of the bad behavior, drugs, alcohol is sometimes, you know, just a way to escape kind of world and deal with stuff and so I, uh-huh. the older I get, the more, you know, try to understand what's going on. And I looked at all those people on that street as my wife and I were walking, and I thought, you know, a lot of these people just need to feel like they belong. and
1: uh-huh. And
0: sometimes that scene is the way that they find connection, and it may not be sustainable and deeply authentic, but some of those friendships are probably pretty awesome and, you know, pretty good people that are pretty loving people that see people as equals. And so... Anyway, um, there's a quote I just wanted to read, and I want this to be your story, but Brene Brown talks about, um, I like this because she says, connection is why we're here. What gives us purpose and meaning? Belonging is in our DNA. The need to love, we are biologically, cognitively, and physically and spiritually wired to love, to be loved and to belong. And when those needs are met, we don't function As we're meant to be, we break, we fall apart, we numb, we ache, we hurt Mm -hmm. others, we get sick. We are profoundly social creatures at the root of our most of our desires is a need to be along, to be accepted, to be connected with others, to be loved. And so, you know, sometimes I see that in circles outside of our church, and I sort of get why sometimes that works for people. And then I think, what do I need to do to make sure you know, our LGBTQ members in particular belong in our church because a lot of them have really deep testimonies of our church. And you're an example of somebody who's, you know, in our church with a great testimony. So talk more about how many years were you kind of in this, I don't know what to describe this phase. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You can label it and tell us how long you were there.
1: (laughs) Sure. So I kind of got out of the, the, that harder scene i guess that that harsher scene uh i don't know probably within six months maybe, maybe a year but um i quickly found out it wasn't for me after
0: Good.
1: after after getting arrested and going to jail ouch <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, yeah so i yeah so it just it, it ended Slow, it died pretty hard. So, um, so I decided I needed to cool that down. Um, I mean, I was still, I was still using, you know, still like drinking and stuff, but I mean, that's a lot better in my opinion than using Good. hard drugs. So, Good. um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I ended up getting sober, um, from the harder stuff and going through rehab and. Um it's at that point that um, I met my boyfriend um, who I had my longest relationship with um, I met him when I was living in a halfway house and um, uh, so and then we yeah so we ended up dating for for about a year I think and then yeah, so he's he's the one who ultimately like I I came to the church when I was dating him and you know things got the most serious with him and I had dated a few other guys before him but um but uh, yeah so that like I said that that scene died pretty quick and then I decided I needed to chill out and get my life back together and um you know just try to live a, a more normal life. Um,
0: but yeah, was that, even though I, was that relationship, was that relationship with your boyfriend that lasted about a year, was that helpful to you in the sense it stabilized you and emotionally, physically, spiritually, um, or was it, how do you look? Sometimes people look at those relationships, Mm -hmm. even if they're out of our church and, and they sometimes can be help okay in the sense they can help people move in the direction they need to do go. Or sometimes people look at those and that's just, you know, that's wasn't something that was really helpful for me. How do you frame that up?
1: Um, well, a lot, my former, my first relationships were pretty unhealthy to be honest. And my Relationship with this last boyfriend, that relationship was the most healthy out of all those relationships. But they, but to be honest, they probably weren't. It, it still probably wasn't the most healthy relationship. I mean, we had we had issues and stuff, but I feel like um, the relationship with him was the most formative during that period because um, I started dabbling with being more spiritual in my life when i was with him because he was more open to that kind of stuff um i i didn't want anything to do with christianity and especially the LDS church um i i hated christianity and especially mormons um i so i i dabbled with well my boyfriend he was he was into Wicca um and so I kind of investigated that um I investigated uh Buddhism um I looked into uh Norse paganism I know it's kind of really strange (laughs) it's probably very foreign to a lot of you listeners but that's I wanted to go away from traditional Western uh, religion as I could, or Abrahamic religion, I guess. Um, But with each of those things that I looked into, um, I, I, I always felt like there was something missing. And... And I always felt like there was something missing in my relationships. It's like there, there was always some, some hole, something, something that wasn't filling that void in my, in my heart. Um, And I guess I have to back up a little bit. You know, when I, when I was younger, I, I know I, I, I had felt the spirit um, when I was going to church and I knew what that feeling was. Um, and maybe I didn't know what that feeling was at the time, but I felt it. And so when I looked at these other religions, um, sometimes with him, sometimes on my own, I was looking for that same thing or something better than that, you know, that would fill that hole in my heart. Um, and I, I didn't really ever find it. So, um, I remember, and so while I was with him, um I started looking into um, Judaism, which is really weird because it's an Abrahamic religion. And I, you know, I knew what the old Testament said about homosexuality. So I don't know why I was interested in that, but I was. Um, and I even took him to a synagogue with me to go do a Shabbat service. Wow. And um, yeah, so we just went once, but but the way the way I see it is even though it wasn't the most healthy relationship, we both really loved each other. Um, and she was open to me exploring these different religions and sometimes we did it together and I feel like God was using that that situation or that relationship to slowly bring me back to the gospel. Um, You know, little by little, I was seeing these pieces of truth and these different lifestyles or beliefs or religions, and and but I was thirsty for the whole thing. I wanted, I wanted. I wanted that hole in my heart to be filled. Um, And I think that's why he led me to Judaism is because, you know, there's a lot of elements of, of Christianity and Judaism, obviously, and um, they're intertwined, but, um, but yeah, so sorry, that's a, that's a long rant, but
0: (laughs) it's a really good answer. And it's not a, I call binary answers where everything is just black and white and, most people's yeah. stories have a lot of gray and, and so I like where you talk in some ways positively about this relationship and that you cared for this boyfriend and that this boyfriend had some things that brought to the table that were very helpful for you to breathe context yeah. for the rest of your life. And so I think that's just part of mortality is learning yeah. from our situations and, and taking you know, what we're learning and saying, what does this mean for my future? in a Mm -hmm. positive way. And so I I like what you said, it's very comfortable to me. And um, I recognize that people in same-sex relationships, why that's out of the doctrine of our church, there can be a measure Mm -hmm. of of a healthy relationship in those. Mm -hmm. And I'm not advocating that, but I'm not at the point where I'm going to demonize people in that world either. And there's some really, probably some really toxic relationships in same-sex relationships just like there are in straight relationships. So I try to right. be less binary or less black and white and try to see individual situations. So talk yeah. about just how, I don't know, if the boyfriend ended and you found the church or you found the church and so that relationship ended or just kind of walk us through more of your story.
1: Sure. So, man, I'm trying to know where to begin because it's so... <laughs> It's a very complex story, to be honest. There's so many different things, but I'm trying to think about the angle to
0: take it at. Yeah, because it's kind of, our listeners are probably going, wait a second, you're, you know, attending a Jewish, you you know, where you are religiously and in your personal life and where (laughs) you are now, you know, temple married in the church to a woman is like 180 (laughs) degrees. So we're all kind of on the edge of our chairs here.
1: So. I'm trying to think of the best way. So I was living with a bunch of friends at the time. Um, this was when I was like 20. Um, and so even though I was like out of the more, like harsher drug scene and stuff, I would still go out in clubs frequently, like down in West Hollywood. And and um. so I was living with, my party buddies um and my boyfriend lived in thousand oaks and so we were. i was in moore park at the time and so we were pretty close and so um we were kind of having a little rough patch patch in our relationship and um i i was I was trying to find some sort of peace in my life because things are pretty rocky at that point, um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, and, uh, I, this, about this time, my brother Ashton, who I, I told you I was, I was super close with. He joined the church. Wow. Um, and, uh, it's
0: so, so an older brother, or younger was, brother
1: he's younger. He's 11 months younger. And that was kind of a blow to me. I mean, I love my brother and I'm like, and like, whatever you want to do, fine. But I felt like I was losing that brother who supported me and, you know, who we went out and we had fun together. I felt like I was losing him. And um, so he joined the church, but he was living like an hour South of me. So I didn't really have much interaction with him at this point. anyway, but um, I remember him contacting me and telling me he got his mission call. And I, I was like, oh, that's cool, I guess. You know, when are you, when are you leaving, and all that kind of stuff. And and it was, it was about that time that he, I noticed he was actively trying to. Bring me back to the faith um, because he would, he would talk to me and he would. We were close to where we could have serious conversations without me getting offended or telling them off or whatever. And like, I knew it's because he loved me and he cared for me, but I just wasn't having any of it. Um, I wasn't willing to, to accept that. I'm like, you know, to me, that church hates me. Um, they don't accept me for who I am, and I would never join that church in a million years. Um, And so I remember there was one visit we had where um, there was was one time he called me. He said, hey, what are you doing this weekend? And this was after he got his mission call. And uh, I said, oh, I'm just going to be having a kickback with a bunch of friends. You know, we're going to be drinking, whatever. And he's like, oh, I want to come up with you guys and, and drink with you. And I'm like, uh, okay. Um, I, Are you sure you're not going to get in trouble for that? Because like, I knew he, he had been to the temple, all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. If you want to come up, if you feel comfortable with that. So he came up and... And he ended up drinking with us and, and I'm not doing, saying this to like, do like, rag on him or anything. But there's kind of a point to why this was important that I, I realized later on. Um, so during that time when he was visiting with me, I remember we were walking across the street. To the liquor store of all places to go get more alcohol. And he started a conversation with me about how this life I was living was not what God intended for me. And that he told me, you know, you're son of God and you have infinite potential. And this isn't who you're meant to be. And even though we were both junk. And, you know, th- that seems like the most unlikely place for the spirit with, would be. Um, I felt some truth to what he said. And I didn't want, I didn't want to feel that. But I just remember hearing myself say, well, even if I had to change, even if, even if this was true, I would have to change everything in my life. And I think it, when I said that, I realized just for a split second that what he said was right. But I very quickly brushed it off and wanted nothing to do with that thought. Um, and it may, may seem like, again, it may seem like a bizarre situation where, you know, here's my brother who's joined the church. He has a mission call, and he's coming up here and drinking with me. Um, But in a way, I, you know, I feel that needed to happen because he needed to come down on my level um, to relay a message that I needed to hear. Um, And I'm, I'm not saying that if you have a friend that's an alcoholic you go drink with him to share the gospel with him i'm not saying that i'm saying that's what i needed and that was just a little pebble that started an avalanche um and soon after that he um probably like i don't know a, a couple weeks after that i went down to visit him on Huntington beach and he gave me a book of Mormon, which I swore I would not read. Um, and it just kind of sat in my things in my room for quite a while. Um, until one day I was just so desperate for peace and direction in my life that I decided to crack it open and to read it because I just needed some, some sort of release from all the, the crap I was dealing with and I just remember opening up that the book of one and looking for a particular scripture that I knew about because my brother had told me about it Um, because he knew I I had been having trouble sleeping um, because I was just so full of anxiety and fear and worries about a bunch of different stuff so he told me about a scripture in Alma it's Alma 3737 if you don't mind I'll read it
0: read it Um, for us yeah
1: so he said, "Counsel with the Lord." And uh, I cracked it open. I was looking in the in the index, and I found it. I'm like, "Oh, this is, this is the one." And I and I was reading it. Counsel with the Lord in all thy doings, and He will direct thee for good. And when thou liest down at night, lie down unto the Lord, that He may watch over you in your sleep. And when thou risest in the morning, let thy heart be full of thanks unto God. And if you do these things, you shall be lifted up the last day. And when I read that, I just felt the spirit rush into my body so, pow- so profoundly, so powerful. And it just was a sensation of filling my body from my heart all the way into my extremities. And, and I knew at that moment I needed to change my life. Um, I wow. I I, di- I didn't think I needed to to join the church at that time. All I knew is that Jesus Christ is my savior. And I needed to follow him. And um, yeah. So that was really the moment that that really turned me. Uh, so I, I mean, I, I was still in a relationship with with that boyfriend i mentioned earlier and you know living in this apartment and you know all all these things and so i i had this whole life that i had built for myself um that i knew would need to change and so but i had a determination i i knew that was true and i couldn't deny it and i knew I needed to do something about it in order to have peace. And so that's what I did. Um, I, yeah. So that's really the pivotal moment right there.
0: Um, did your brother end up serving a mission? And is, he, did. is he active in the church? And it sounds like uh-huh. he had a word of wisdom thing he was working through and like some of our, Good members yeah. need to work through that, but how did how is Ashton done?
1: He's been great. Yeah, he served a mission in uh, Kodawai, Paraguay. Um, he um, got married in the temple. Um, Actually, got married when I was on my mission, um, and yeah, so still active in the church. I'm not sure what his calling is now, but he's living out
0: in Texas with his wife. So. That's great. What a great yeah. story. And if Ashton, you're le- listening, that's pretty cool. Your role with your brother, and I'm sure we're just getting a little bit of part of that. How long yeah. did it take? I mean, one of the things that I think is challenging is I meet people that have a deeply spiritual experience like you do, but then it's they don't quite know how to do the 180 or the 90 degree change they need to do. They're yeah. still feel alone. Mm-hmm. They don't have a a support structure around them. They have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But sometimes it's really still very, very hard to do what you want to do. I like the term yeah. you said, I built my whole life up. And you can't just unplug that. There's people you care yeah. about. You've got relationships. You don't necessarily want to turn your back, quote-unquote, on kind people in your life. And so it's it's not, I mean, it's complicated. So just talk about yeah kind of how you went from where you were to, you know, your baptism day. So,
1: um,
0: my friends,
1: it it was a a little bit easier for me, I guess, and uh, to change because I knew a lot of my friends were, I loved my friends, but not in the right way. They were just party friends we had a lot of fun together but i knew i couldn't keep those friends in in the future as a disciple of christ because i knew that's the direction i want i needed to move in in order to be happy um and so i just i knew i was gonna cut those people off
0: it's okay um i'm
1: not i'm not saying that you should always do that, but for me, it would be unhealthy because I I was an alcoholic, um, and having those friends just wasn't good. Um, and in terms with my relationship with my boyfriend, that was a lot more difficult of a thing to to consider because I I knew. That that relationship was not consistent with the doctrine of the gospel. Um, as much as I loved him, I knew I needed to cut it off, um, and I broke my heart. Honestly, I remember, I remember coming to that realization and and planning out that the time and the place where I would need to talk to him and tell him I couldn't be part of that relationship anymore. Um, and I was talking to my mom, just bawling, um, and telling him, telling her how much, how much has hurt me having to do it. And I just was in a lot of pain and, um, and so I called up my boyfriend and I said, Hey, I really need to talk to you. And can you meet me? I told him to meet me at an LBS church building. And, and so he did. And we met up and that was one of the hardest conversations I've ever had. Um, so I, I guess I kind of have to back up here. Sorry. This, there's a lot of, a lot of information, but one of my biggest dream since I was a little kid was getting married and having kids. I always wanted to, to be a husband and a father and, you know, being an openly gay man at the time, I, I was always wanting to find the perfect husband to get married and adopt some kids. And so we had been talking about that, me and my boyfriend and, um, and i remember at that moment when i was telling him that i needed to break up with him because of uh because of the life i wanted to move forward following the savior she broke down and he said i was planning and he told me he was planning on proposing to me and telling and marrying me and that just poured me up um And and I think that that experience just it it really taught me that when we're about to make a critical decision to follow the Savior Jesus Christ the adversary is going to do everything in his power to stop us from doing that. And at that moment, he dangled the thing I wanted the most out of that relationship over my head. And I had to choose between following the Savior and having this this dream come true that i always dreamt of. And he begged me to stay with him. And... And it was hard, but but I had to let him go, and I just placed my faith in the Savior that, as difficult as that was, I knew things would work out somehow. I had no idea how, I I had no idea when, but they would work out, and um, yeah. So that was that was the most difficult thing I had to deal with as far as like leaving that lifestyle. So. Thanks. I don't know if you can really call it a lifestyle. I would say leaving that life I had, I had been living.
0: So thanks for sharing that. And I think it helps, it helps me to understand, you know, and I think of Tom Christofferson and I think others that have, you know, come into the church or come back to the church um, but a great yeah. sacrifice and and leaving a companion that's been a partner and in and in some ways there's been good in that partnership. And I think five years ago it would have been much more black and white for me and much more you know, if I'd heard somebody that left their same sex partner for the church, well, I would have gone, Well, that's a no-brainer and you know right. and but I wouldn't have had the tools to understand how difficult it is what you did in some ways it's, it's sad because you're, it's sad in the sense that um, this was somebody that you cared about and cared about you and that was no longer possible. And so I've learned to, you know, let people grieve and be sorry and sad and it's complex and, and it's, and I, I'm I support your choice, but I recognize it's not wasn't an easy thing. And it's not just like the choosing between something on a on a one to 10 scale where one's a 10 and one's a negative 10. Um, you're yeah. choosing between things that have brought joy in your life, but you're willing to just right. put your trust in the Savior and say, this is the direction I need to go. And I don't know how this is going to work out. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, so I admire you sharing this and just um making the decisions you're making so yeah how long then because it doesn't sound like you're getting baptized right now or so talk <laughs> about just how then it led to becoming a member of the church
1: so i i got baptized so i was 21 when when that happened when i when i did that 180 um it took me about a year to get baptized um I was 22 when I got baptized, so yeah. um, That year, I was just preparing, yeah, just preparing to get baptized. And um,
0: did when this relationship ended, did you know you'd get baptized, or did that come later?
1: I knew that's what I wanted to do. Okay. Um, I knew I knew I wanted to do that, and I mean, I was I was ready to jump in feet first you know like just just get dunk me next week if you could
0: And that um, makes sense cause you'd because you sacrifice so much to get there you're ready to sort of get on board <laughs> I
1: so I, I'm the type of person where if I make a decision and I know that it's the right decision I go I go full force into it um, it, it was I mean I, I'm not going to lie it was really difficult like the first a month or two after cutting off my friend, cutting off my boyfriend and, and also going cold Turkey on, you know, drinking and everything else. Like it, it was hard. Um And, but being able to go back to church for the first time and sit in that chapel and hear the sacrament prayers was amazing and it filled me with so much joy and honestly it just gave me the grace that I needed to to keep going and um I could have gotten baptized a lot sooner honestly um but I had some um legal things I needed to work out with you know, the whole rest and everything and probation that delayed my baptism.
0: That's honest. Yeah.
1: But, but, um, I got baptized and it was, at that point, it was the most amazing experience I've ever felt in my entire life. Um,
0: tell us your baptism date. Do you remember it?
1: Oh, yeah. I remember it like it was yesterday. I figured you did. I, <laughs> so I, uh, I got baptized February 18th, 2012. And I remember I spent the morning cleaning the font for myself.
0: <laughs> and
1: That's unique. I asked the sick, pre- sick present to gave me some cleaning materials so I could clean it. And I clipped, made, made it nice and stick and stand. And um, my dad, who I told, said is active, he was going to be baptizing and i i just remember the whole time seeing the hymns beforehand leading up to the baptism the spirit was just so overwhelming i just couldn't stop crying <laughs> um and i just remember getting into the the water the, wa- the waters and um my dad saying that prayer and being dunked and I remember coming out of the water just feeling so clean and just feeling just pure joy. And I just felt elated. Like I could not – I couldn't stop smiling, and I just felt so happy. And, yeah, how it says in the scriptures how Christ makes us a new creature – that's how I felt—a completely new, completely new, newly created—and and it was it was just amazing. I I I remember bearing my testimony after my baptism, and um, just the spirit was so profound. And you know, they talk about fire rush into the Kirtland Temple when it was dedicated I saw that on my baptismal day maybe others didn't but I did and at that point my spiritual eyes were opened and I saw it I saw what they were talking about in the scriptures and I just I knew that that this was the path that I needed to go um and uh So yeah, it was just profound
0: in there. And did your dad dad want you to get baptized at eight, or did you come close to get baptized in your youth, and what was it like for your dad then to baptize you?
1: Yeah, so he wanted me to get baptized when I was eight, but my mom was against it. She she was very opposed to the doctrine of our church, and um, so... We were never allowed to get baptized till we were eighteen, my brother and I. Um, But I mean, by then I was gone; like I was wanted nothing to do with it. So.
0: And did your dad stay active in the church this whole time?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think when when me and my brother were really young, he was exploring other things for like a very short period of time. But he's been active for forever.
0: And did he baptize your brother Ashton? Yes. That's kind of an interesting road for your dad. I mean, that's a whole separate podcast, but he's in a situation where he's honoring the wish of his his wife and, and not. And so you and Ashton are not baptized and Mm -hmm. he's probably worried about you not having, you know, the church in your lives. And then he's probably seeing those worries sort of come to reality as you both step away and, Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking, here's your good dad. And I assume he's alive because this is pretty recent watching, you know, baptizing two adult sons, um, why it's far different than eight years old. And that's really cool, but this is kind of extra cool. Um, and he's known, and that's, that's kind of cool. So if your dad's listening, that's. In a way to go, Dad, I assume your prayers have been part of what's happening here for your sons, and assuming you've been through the temple, the power of your temple covenants to reach your sons and help them along the path, and um, talk about, um, if I had met you in your baptism day, did would you have said, I want to marry a woman? Or would you would have said I don't even want to talk about that right now? Or would you said I'm just going to stay celibate? <laughs>
1: so, oh man, my my life after my baptism date is a is a whole story too. Um, so I wasn't out to my ward. That's fine. Uh, I was actually re- I was actually pretty fearful about being out. That's um, that's a,
0: that's probably smart. Talk, but...
1: <laughs> yeah. So I. I I had a desire to be married to a woman and have kids, but I honestly did not know how it was going to happen because there was just no traction. I mean, I, it it seemed unfair to her and to me. So, although I hoped for it, um, at that point I just had no. I didn't know. I didn't know how it was going to how that was going to happen.
0: So. And that's just. And you're going to, it reminds me of just where you were when you had this spiritual experience where you knew you needed to get back in the church, but Mm -hmm. didn't quite know how to make that happen. But you just had this faith that if I kind of made a step forward and everything would work out and kind of this foggy, you knew the end, but you didn't know how to get there. So yeah, yeah, talk about, and I think you may have served a mission. Did you serve a mission after your baptism?
1: I did. I, I waited the year, I received my endowment and I went on my mission. I served in the Utah Salt Lake City mission.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So um yes yeah, I served that for the full two years. Um that was, that was a my mission was really difficult. Not not because of the rules or anything, it was just it, it wasn't the best two years of my life like everyone talks about that's honest and i I was a very i was a very obedient missionary but i could see a lot of the things the way i was kind of pharisaical when i was on my mission with the rules and everything which wasn't good and i think that kind of soured my mission in a way but anyway that's a whole other stuff, topic but but i did have great experiences and one of the best ex- some of the one of the things that really changed me being out uh, to my church family was the Lord kept leading me to individuals who, uh, who had left the church and were now living gay life, gay lives. Um, And, you know, I, and it, but I knew he led me to those individuals so that I could talk to them. And because I, you know, would actually hear me out and and so after i got back from my mission is when i decided i would be more vocal about it so um so yeah
0: and um talk about in the last segment of this podcast um just finding your wife
1: that was another hard experience um so after after my mission Probably about a year, year and a half after my mission, I was a temple worker um, and I was super active in church, um, but I started getting really miserable in my, uh, just feeling really miserable, like just lonely, really. Like I tried dating girls, it just wasn't, wasn't happening, I just wasn't feeling anything and I got really i got to a a huge low point where i was still i was still very active i was still doing my you know going to the temple doing my doing the ordinance work and you know reading my scriptures all that stuff but i just felt like i couldn't i don't know i i started having thoughts of of leaving leaving the church because i couldn't handle it anymore the prospect of being celibate and alone for the rest of my life um and when i started thinking those thoughts i was terrified honestly because i knew that the truth was true i absolutely knew it um and i and there wasn't anything that could take away that testimony um but i was but i was starting to have thoughts of you know, just accepting a celestial glory to be able to be happy in a same-sex partnership in this life. And that horrified me. Um, and so I remember just one day when I just got to a rock bottom with, with everything, I just remember praying so fervently to Heavenly father to just, you know, Help me to help me in that situation, and I just remember feeling such peace come over me, telling me just to stick with things a little bit longer, and it would work out. And just keep your temple temple covenants, and it'll work out. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. And so I kind of stopped. I was like, I didn't want to date anymore, but I was like, but I just had a commitment to keep doing, to keep the commandments keep going along this road in the hopes of something to work out. And that's what I met Tiffany,
0: wow.
1: my wife. She, she showed up probably a week or two after that experience at, in the ward. And she was coming with her brother, but I didn't know it was her brother. I thought they were dating. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then I found out they were siblings and I'm like, okay. Um, but I just remember seeing her come into church and I remember feeling just this feeling of attraction. And like I, I was really thrown off by it. I did not understand the feeling and I'm like and I was trying to shrug it off but I kinda of felt the spirit tugging me to go on a date with her and and like and then I I remember other ballads coming Brother Ballard made some comments in a fireside like like a few years back where he said, Don't ever let a good opportunity slip by you. And I'm like, Okay, if I'm filling these attractions, I probably need to take her on a date. So I decided to, yeah, to try and take her on a date, and the rest is history. So, um,
0: yeah. And it's May of 2019. Do you remember when you first started dating her?
1: I started dating
0: her for Christmas
1: of uh, twenty twenty. I think it was twenty sixteen. And
0: what? Yeah, it was twenty sixteen. And you got married. What's your anniversary date?
1: Uh, it is uh, July first, twenty seventeen.
0: So you've been married um, not even t- two years. You're coming up on two years. <laughs>
1: Yep, not even two years. You're still pretty new.
0: And you have this beautiful girl. What's your daughter's name?
1: Her name is Blythe, B-L-Y-T-H-E. She's
0: just gorgeous. And did you talk, and your wife's name is Tiffany?
1: Uh, Tiffany, but with an E, not an I. So, Tiffany.
0: Tiffany. And tell our listeners, because some... LGBT, you know, some with same-sex attraction may say, you know, I, I really want a mixed-orientation marriage to work, if that's the term you take on. I really want to marry a woman if I'm a man with same-sex attraction. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of stories, obviously, of those kind of blowing up, but there's a lot, as I've done podcasts, there's a lot that are really working, and those are real, authentic, meaningful marriages. They're not fake marriages. Mm-hmm. And Right. And I've learned that it's taken me visiting with people in mixed orientation marriages to know that. So uh, your marriage is awesome and I, you don't have to prove it to me and I don't have to wonder how it works. I just, you know, recognize those are very good marriages and you're in a good marriage. And But did you come out to Tiffany? Because um, some people wow. may be wondering, should I just keep closeted about? And maybe for you it's harder because you've, you know, had a life before the church. So how did you manage that?
1: So, so I, w- with the girls I had taken on dates, I, I had made the commitment to to myself and to them before I even uh, started dating women that I always would always be open with my past at a very early point in any relationship because I wanted I didn't want feelings to be built up and then just have those smashed later on after. You know, after after there had been a lot of feelings connected, and I, it just wasn't fair. So, um, so I actually told Tiffany on our second date. Now We went on the first date, and it was really nice. On the second date, I said, "Hey, I really need to talk to you," and I told her, and she said she already knew. I'm like, "Oh, how did you know?" Well, I guess I, I had given a fireside in our YSA ward at the time, and I had told my conversion story, but she wasn't there. But someone she talked to told her. So, but she was glad that I told her. Um, because then she knew what, she, you know, she knew what to expect. And I think that's that was crucial for us. And I think it's crucial for any mixed orientation, marriage, or relationship you might be in that, you disclose those feelings early on because then you can work, you can work on it. Because it's, it's only fair to her to know. And um, yeah. So I, I, I don't think there's really much more to say about that. But
0: um, yeah. And I just, everybody's story is important, and I, and I love you sharing it. your story. Is so unique and safe, so faith promoting and so full of courage and strength. And I have to think one of the reasons Tiffany fell in love with you is partly just the man you are and the things you've had to work through and the things you've overcome. And I've always felt like the things we overcome, like alcohol and drugs or whatever our pasts are, um, help us, you know, the, the atonement makes us clean. But we learn, we have wonderful life lessons that allow us to help others. So yeah. um, I just think who you are, I have to think that the attributes and gifts and the realness of you is if we had your wife on the podcast, she'd probably talk about, you know, just the, the lessons you've learned and the good man you are, and then your ability to be even a better husband and father. And, yeah. and, and i i love how you love the temple and i love how you love our church and i've and you've just got a beautiful unique faith promoting story how do you feel does it sometimes how do you feel when your friends that are gay or same sex leave does that does that cause you to do you mourn for them or do you just does it does it how do you handle that cuz sometimes you know, when I talk to other people that are staying, when they see someone leave, they kind of get how it is to stay, so they have a lot of empathy. Mm. But sometimes it's really hard on them because, and maybe it's less hard since you're married and have, you know, mm. versus when you were wondering if you would step away because it just seemed overwhelming to be so. But how do you handle just when people leave?
1: So for me, I, I think when I first came back to the church, I honestly, I would have been sad and mourning over that experience. And I think those feelings are natural. I guess maybe there's nothing wrong with feeling that way, but now that I've been in the gospel long enough and I've been, and I'm an active, I wasn't an ordinance worker. And one of the things in, in cool. that I learned in the temple was that the atonement will fix everything. And because because Those ordinance workers, they don't do everything perfectly. Sometimes they say the wrong words, but the atonement will fix that ultimately, and it will allow the ordinance to be valued. Um, And that's something that I've taken into the rest of my life, where I think the Lord, I believe that the the Lord works in imperfect situations to bring about his his purposes. Um, And For people who leave the church because they feel that they need to, for gay members to leave the church because they feel like they have to be in a same-sex partnership or whatever, I don't really mourn anymore. I mean, I guess I'm disappointed because I, I, I want them to still be in the church, to have the joy of... Renewing your temple covenants, your 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 covenants at the sacrament table, and going to the temple, and I I want that for them, but I understand that this is a necessary part of their journey, and they need to know, and they need to figure out things for themselves, and cutting off a relationship with someone like that because they're living that way doesn't do any good, um, and. I, I I had there was so I I facilitate a support group for um, individuals with members with SSA, and uh, a girl came to me once who has SSA, um, a member, and she was telling me she was feeling like she needed to leave the church and because this just wasn't her path and. And I said, you know what? Good for you. That's something that you need to experience. You know, if you feel you need to go that way, I, I would invite you to really seek and learn to know what the truth is for you. Um, Now, would I love her to stay in the church? Of course. But, it's my, it's my belief and my, and I have faith that the Lord will lead her back eventually. And some, something my dad always told me when I was younger, said, if you guys ever leave the church, I want you to really honestly seek out every other religion and find the truth for yourself. And, and that's something that always stuck with me when I was going through all of my different phases I guess you could say is is that even though those may not have been ideal situations God was eventually he was helping me to gain knowledge to eventually lead me back to the fullness of knowledge the fullness of truth and so
0: I love that answer I think it's a really thoughtful answer and I've wrestled with that answer as I've met people that are stepping away and how what's my pastoral and baptism covenant responsibility. And I do pretty much what you do. I invite them to stay all the good in my life is from living the teachings of the church. But if they feel their path is different or just, you know, this overwhelming feeling of being alone and not having a life partner to share your life with. And um, I just say, you know, take God with you. Stay close yeah. with God. Um, take the scriptures with you, take prayer with you, take everything that you know, you've that's helpful for you from our faith and and take that with you and stay close to God. And I'll just leave this at the Savior's feet. I'm not gonna make you the villain. I'm not gonna make you um the butt of my jokes, or I'm not I my marriage can right. stand on its own merits. I don't marriage I don't have to tear down your marriage or your partnership and uh-huh. So that's kind of right. the way I handle it. It's complicated. It's mm-hmm. um and like you, I'm a temple worker and love the ordinances mm-hmm. of the temple and mm-hmm. and um the power of the temple and so um I like what you're sharing and and it, it, we're kind of at we're, we're at the end. Um temp, <laughs> uh, any thoughts you'd like to share for our listeners? Any closing thoughts or things we didn't cover you'd like to share?
1: I think just something to reiterate that no matter what stage of faith you're in, you know, if you're going through a faith crisis or trying to reconcile, you know, for those of you who do struggle with seeing such attraction, you're trying to reconcile your, your faith and your sexuality, stick with the gospel, you know, uh, and just have faith that it's going to work out eventually. Um, as hard as that may be. Um, I, I love the example of Nephi when he is in Jerusalem. And it says that when he was going to go back into Jerusalem the third time to go get the brass plate, he didn't know where, where he was supposed to go, but he was led by the Spirit. He didn't know beforehand what he was going to do, but the Spirit told him in that instance because of his faith what to do. And for a lot of us, we may struggle with what we're supposed to do, what, you know, where are we supposed to go? How is this going to work out? But I know with all my heart that as we place our faith in the Savior Jesus Christ and allow Him to lead our footsteps, that it works out for the best good. Um, yeah, so that would be my closing, closing thoughts there.
0: Great closing thought, um, Temper Harwood and um i love that idea of i didn't know beforehand you know how this was going to work out and i just trusted and i love that closing reference from the book of mormon so you thank you for calling in from california my friend and having the courage to share your story and and all the good you're doing to help people come unto christ and bring more understanding um between our lgbt Q brothers and sisters, um, or you know and so those within that group that take on the label of same-sex attraction, um, and our church, and and to create more bridges and more understanding, so that people like you can feel they belong, and I, and feel that they are part of the body of Christ and a needed part of the body of Christ. We're a better church with you in it. Because the things you can teach us, and I've learned that about my LGBTQ brothers and sisters, I, I need them in my lives so for the things they can teach me. And we need them as part of the body of the Christ to become the church we need to become. And I hope more are able to stay. I honor everybody's agency. And, um, but I hope as we, as we do better that more are able to stay Um, but I still do, like you do, honor personal agency and support people in their individual paths. Exactly, yep. So thank you, our listeners, for joining us on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler.